Welcome to Unpopular But Accurate, the podcast. After all these years, there's only one thing these two can agree on. They're always right. Here's your host, David and Tyler. Hello, UBA followers. Welcome back to another exciting episode here of Unpopular But Accurate. I'm Tyler, and as always, I got my great co-host David here with me. And today, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to dig into this ACC basketball season. It's drawing to a close. Duke and Carolina this week did not put their best foot forward. And, and God knows what's going to happen this Saturday when the two meet in the Dean Dome. We're going to dig into that. Um, also, we're going to see, do we think LaMelo Ball right now, is he the greatest Hornets rookie of all time? We're going to hit that up today. Not only that, David, we're going to talk about the Panthers and a lot of pundits out there thinking the Panthers might take Mac Jones. Some saying as high as number eight. We'll get into that. We got a lot it's more crazy. coming. Listen, we're excited to get this show on the road. David, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Uh, it's a lot of action that happened, a lot of sports content. Uh, we uh, pretty excited to jump into and really slice apart and really dig in, as you say. So let's get it. Listen, as you all know, if you haven't done so, hit the like, subscribe to our channels. We're on Spotify, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and you can catch us at Unpopular But Accurate, just as the show title is, Unpopular Accurate. No spaces on that. And again, YouTube channel coming soon. YouTube is on their BS soon. (laughs) Right, we got to get it together. Go ahead and smash that follow button. Stop playing with us. We always upload a lot of content from different highlights, whether it's UNC, Duke, uh, Melo doing his thing, Gordon Hayward, the Hornets, Panthers. So we have some funny videos up there. A lot of like really good, interesting videos. So if you like sports content, you love it. That's why you're watching and following us. Follow us on Instagram. Like Tyler said as well, follow us on Instagram. Unpopular but accurate. Let's get it. Let's get it. And he's playing for the most storied franchise in all of basketball, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Charlotte, North Carolina, the regional banking capital of the world. <laughs> Gateway to Gastonia. You think LaMelo's going to win Rookie of the Year? Oh, he's got all the awards locked up. Rookie of the Year, locked up. MVP, locked up. Prettiest hog at the Mecklenburg County Fair, locked up. <laughs> And right, right there, ladies and gentlemen, was a clip from Saturday Night Live where Kenan Thompson is making fun of Charlotte, the gateway to Gastonia. Are you kidding me? The, the, the regional uh, banking capital of the world. <laughs> it is. Why, why they do Charlotte like that? It was hilarious, but one of the biggest things that I love about the the whole skit. Honestly, is you know Charlotte is on the map. That's like it. if we're on Saturday Night Live, we make it a Saturday Night Live. I mean, you're pretty much playing in the big leagues at that point. So uh, it just really brings more attention, more notoriety to Charlotte. You gotta love it if you're a Hornets fan. It's a great day to be a Hornets fan. Lamelo, keep doing what you're doing, baby. There's gonna be a lot more skits, gonna be a lot more talk, but it's all good. No, no press is bad press. 
The Charlotte Hornets completed their six-game road trip last night uh, with their game at Minnesota. They absolutely smashed the Timberwolves up there. Um, God knows what's happening up there. They used to be pretty good. They, they don't. Carl Anthony Towns is on the team. I know he's been hurt this year, but they still got ballers on that team. I don't understand why they suck that much. It's crazy. Um, Anyway, Hornets don't suck. They finished a road trip three and three, which I think is about as good as you could ask the Hornets going to do. Um, considering the teams they played, they had to play the Suns, they had to play Golden State. Um, you know, they also played Sacramento. They played um, Portland, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So you know, they had some tough, tough opponents out there. We found out a lot about the Hornets. They can compete with some of these teams in the West. Um, Lamelo Ball, my friend, going off. Still going off. Uh, went off during the, the Hornets road trip there. And, and he's the solo leader, in my mind, for the Rookie of the Year award. I think the Hornets are blessed to have a player like this. And and from my standpoint, David, I, it's, it's kind of got me questioned. Do we think he's the greatest Hornets rookie of all time? Well, that's uh, that's. I mean, if you playing like this, eventually the question is going to arise. We're pretty much a little over a quarter in his rookie season, so we're going to have to pump the brakes a little bit because let the let the kid, you know, actually grow into the talent that he's going to be. It was a really exciting road trip, a lot of ups and downs, um, but we found out a lot about the Hornets. Yeah. In this young rookie, excuse me, not young rookie year, but this young COVID year yeah. uh, with the Charlotte Hornets with a young team, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most, one of my favorite parts about the road trip was the interaction with Carmelo versus LaMelo. And, you know, before the game, LaMelo is chalking it up with Carmelo, giving it up up to him you know he does the celebration you know that Carmelo does with it th- anytime he hit a three-pointer he's you know doing the three points on the head and everything and they were battling out um one of the more you know disappointing I- I'm not gonna say disappointing because granted you know uh the the Utah Jazz is right now even though they lost to Philly last night with Donovan Mitchell getting ejected uh, in overtime, what a lot of people are, you know, it's very controversial right now because did he deserve to really get ejected in a tight game like that where you had the leader of the West and leader of the East team right now battling it out? But when the Hornets played them last week, um, the Hornets were dominating that game, you know, for most of the game. They looked like the better team. They looked really poised, but eventually Utah did their thing and pulled it out. Um, the Phoenix game, phenomenal win, right? Yeah. You know, beating Devin Booker and the Phoenix uh, Suns, who are currently sitting, chilling right now in second place. Yeah. Right now, they've won about 16 of the last 18 of their games. They're looking pretty damn good right now. Um, so the Hornets team, you know, having that many road games back-to-back, it really showed a lot of backbone that a lot of people wanted to see. We wanted to see how James Borrego really could lead this young friend, you know, young team and uh, how successful we really could be. So, I mean, 3-3 three and three is about as you know as good as you really could expect we we know the whole thing going on with uh the phoenix suns chris paul one of north carolina suns out right. there getting it done Shout out right to there. him. so we got to give chris paul some love with it but but at the end of the day david coming back to it is Lamelo ball in your opinion the greatest hornets rookie of all time so if we narrow it down uh I think that he is not – I can't say that he's the best uh, Charlotte Hornet rookie ever. 
at this point. You know, that still remains to be seen. I think that he could very well go down. But if you wanted me to chalk it up, obviously, we, we're going to go ahead and debate this very polarizing topic right now. <laughs> I think that, you know, you got Larry Johnson. Yep. You got Alonzo Mourning. Yep. You got Kimball Walker. Yep. And you have LaMelo Ball. Ball. And that's it. And and Exactly. And so right now, I'm not really going to give the edge over at Kimba. Maybe that's because I have a little bit of a bias towards Kimba because everything that he meant for Charlotte for so long. But his rookie season was also one of the most phenomenal seasons that you ever see as well. Listen, listen, I love Kimba Walker. Let's establish that. But LaMelo Ball is having a head and shoulders season better than Kimba Walker's regular uh, first season in the league. During Kimber Walker's rookie year, he only averaged 12.1 points a game, four assists, and about three rebounds. Mm-hmm. Right now, we got LaMelo Ball. For the season, he's averaging 15.8 points per game, mm-hmm. six assists, six rebounds. So he's stuffing the stat sheet out there, and he's just having a greater overall impact on, on this team than I think even Kimba had on the team when we drafted him back in 2011. I, I think if if – LaMelo Ball's not on this team. This team is not as good as they are. We don't win a lot of ball games. Right. And and when I think greatest rookie of all time, you've got to have an impact on your team where if you're not playing, that team feels it. And it's obvious, and you're very likely not to win. And mm-hmm. I think, though, out of all these players that the, the Hornets have had injuries with, you know, with Rozier sitting out, Devontae Graham sitting out, with Gordon Hayward sitting out, I don't think we lose – LaMelo Ball and win some of the games that we've won with while having some of these injuries. So, is he better than Kimba? In my opinion, absolutely. At this point in his career, he is better than Kimba was at that point in Kimba's career. Um, is he the greatest rookie of all time? Listen, Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson, in their rookie seasons, people, averaged 21 and 19 points a game, respectively. Both getting ten and eleven rebounds, respectively. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you're telling me you're a big man coming into the league, into the NBA, and you're playing up, in, and at that time these were ninety two, ninety three. At that time, it was the rough and tough NBA. It wasn't the NBA we know oh, today. Oh, the, the the NBA soft is like you know cottonelle tissue at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's softer than a baby's bottom. You could probably <laughs> say it right now. I'm telling you. But at the end of the day. It, I think he will finish this season as the greatest rookie of all time, depending on how the Hornets finish. Um, He's got that opportunity. He's a close third. He's nipping at their heels. Um, In the month of March, Ball is averaging 25 points a game. So two Mm -hmm. games, small sample size, but he's averaging 25 a game. He's also averaged 20 points a game in the month of February. He turned it up. Mm -hmm. So – his averages are getting higher and higher. I think he's shown that he's deserved the starting spot. And I'm excited to see what this team looks like, dude, when we're fully healthy. Yeah, so you made a lot of really great points. I can't really debate. Um, I, you know, even as much as I want to, like, get at you for a couple different things, I will get at you on this note, though. Oh, come on. Uh, of course, you know, like you said, we, we pretty much uh, – uh, crystallize what the full rookie seasons were for Kimba, for Larry Johnson, for Alonzo Mourning, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. LaMelo for 2021 so far, he has been balling, averaging yeah. over 20 points, uh, you know, in February. And so far in March, what is it, 20, 25 points a game right now, six mm-hmm. assists. The dude is doing his thing. 
But the whole season is not finished yet. We really got to see. We don't, I mean, obviously nobody's expecting a steep fall off, but we got to see how he really pulls, especially about to jump in into the all-star break. He's going to be an all-star this year. You know, that's going to be exciting for Charlotte to see, um, see how he performs in the game and all that good stuff. But, you know, what does he do after that? You know, I remember last year the Hornets were, you know, trying to figure themselves out. And after the all-star break, we really made a run. What if, you know, God forbid, but what if this year is different and we fall off a cliff, you know, in the words of Max Kellerman? I don't think Mm -hmm. we're going to do anything like that. But at the same time, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves again. Kimball Walker, to me, um, phenomenal player at this point. Yeah, LaMelo is a little better, though. I hear you. I hear you. And and listen, LaMelo pushing this team after the All-Star break will define if he's the greatest rookie the Hornets have ever had. So we're going to see that. We're going to see what happens. Um, Right now, do we think, David, the Hornets, when we get back and get healthy, and what I mean right now, Hayward's still dealing with that hand injury. Yes, he is. He's played some with it, but it's nagging him. Graham is still out. I'd like to see him get back in the lineup. He can go off for 20, 30 a night, every night. Yes, um, he can. And then Zeller's out with some injuries. The All-Star break is here at the right time. The Hornets won't play again for about eight more days, so we got plenty of time to get some rest in, get healthy. Once they return, though, and the Hornets are healthy. Do you think, David, that they could crack into the top four in the in the league right now? And let me give you the top four real yeah, quick yeah, before you make ahead, a decision. Let's go, let's go over for the people let, listening let to the podcast. Right now, Philadelphia, number one on the East. They've kind of slipped recently, going five and five in their last They won last game. night. They had a great win against the Jazz last night. All right. So they're 24 and 12. Brooklyn right now, second, 23 and 13. Um, Milwaukee's 21 and 14, and the Boston Celtics are your fourth place team at 18 and 17. Um, Hornets are 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. We're one game back from that. Do you think we can finish in the top four of the league? So, oh, excuse me, in, 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 the, in the East. In the East. In the East, yes, sir. So it's a very polarizing, interesting conversation right now. One thing that I, I got to say that I do love about this season is you remember just a couple of years ago when Golden State acquired KD yeah. in the offseason, everybody knew that it was a foregone conclusion what was going to happen. Everybody knew that Golden State was going to go to hell off. Mm-hmm. Nobody really mm-hmm. was going to contest them. And the, and, the, and the league was not very competitive. Nobody really wanted to tune into the regular season because everybody knew that LeBron and the Cavs had the East on lock. And, you know, the Warriors were going to have the West on lock and they were going to meet in the finals in which they did multiple years in a row, right? Right. This year, what every basketball fan and purist got to love, and even common bystander, if you're really not even that, you know, because there's a lot of star power going on right now. I mean, the margin of error right now in the East, I mean, you just highlighted it. It's very, very slim. You can lose and you could be in sixth place right now and fall all the way out the playoffs to 10th or 11th or 12th spot in the East right now. So I love what the Hornets got going on right now at 17 and 18. Um, We're literally a half game back behind the Knicks right now, who's playing surprisingly, shockingly, really well this year. I mean, who would have thought Tom Thibodeau has them boys playing? They acquired Derrick Rose. I mean, they've never, they haven't been in this territory in a long, long time. So I think that, you know, you know, 
when you look at the season, the Hornets will finish better than the Knicks. I feel like they will do better than the Heat, who's been – where the hell have they been all year? They yeah. were in the NBA – like, we need a reminder, people, you were in the NBA Finals well, the last year. Miami Heat police show up. I mean, come on now. Or like, don't. Like, because where your backbone, like, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to eventually, because that's a rough rider. Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, that man is going to have the Heat playing really well. Yeah. It's, it's no wonder why they're picking up steam. I, I, I like the Hornets, though. We're right, like, again, we're, again, so we reiterate, they're currently six. I like them finishing around that fifth, sixth spot, a little sweet spot right now in the East. Fifth, sixth. No, I'm going to go with the fourth, dude. I think they can get there. We can beat Boston. Boston has shown that they're not that good of a team mm-hmm. this season. I'm confident we can beat Toronto. I'm confident we can handle the Knicks. And I'm confident we'll beat Miami. Miami just doesn't have it this year. They're only averaging 106 points a game. That's down from last year. You're not winning games if you're only going to be able to score 106 points. I'm telling the NBA, that's not how it happens. The Hornets scored 130-some-odd points last night and won. Yeah, so you've got to be able to score more. I like us to get to the fourth right now, and I'm going to tell you a huge reason, and no one's really talking about it, but you're going to hear it right here on UBA. That's all good. right? Malik Monk, sir. Oh, yes. All right? Malik Monk is that guy right now. L- let me tell you this guy's progression this season. Say it with okay? your chest. Let's get it. Six points in January was his average. He kicked it up a notch in February, and he got himself up to 16.6, Okay. Um, in March, he kicked it up another notch. Remember Emeril Lagasse? Remember the show? Let's kick it up a notch. Bam! <laughs> you know, bamming everything. Well, let me tell you what. Malik Monk is bamming threes left and right, shaking people up, hitting game winners. He's averaging 40% from three this season. Mm-hmm. Malik Monk is that dude. He's that dude. He's been shockingly really refreshing and exciting. Yeah. Like if you're a Hornets fan, you gotta like you gotta love what mm-hmm. you're seeing right now from Malik Monk. I remember in college when he played at Kentucky. Uh, I I thought like I was looking at what could be. I mean this. Listen, this is gonna be a little dicey for some people, but I mean I I really felt like the way he was dominating dominating the college basketball. Uh, season that year, I thought he was going to be like what Kobe somewhat was. Not obviously good as Kobe, mm-hmm. but I mean that's the way he was doing. I mean shooting Jay, shooting three pointers. He, he was he was very clutch. Like I mean, mm-hmm. if you ever come, if you ever sniff the greatness Kobe Bryant was, then you know you're, you're extremely blessed and a rare talent because Kobe's one of none. He's literally you know one of the top players in NBA all-time history obviously but Malik Monk I thought he was going to be that now when he got to the Hornets he literally you know he fell off you know yeah I was at certain points and aspects people were like I mean what trade value does this guy have this guy needs to be in the G League at this point I don't know what pass he's going to or what counselor what Mm -hmm. sports therapist he done talked to Mm -hmm. but the boy done found a revelation he done stepped it up and he's been showing the hell out. Let's get more of this Malik Monk. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let the church say amen again. All right, listen. At the end of the day, let's see how the Hornets do. I'm excited for them. Again, we got the break. Let's get healthy. There's some trade rumors out there saying that we might be going to go grab a center. Vuvacic has been mm-hmm. in discussions. We'll see more on that. It's just rumors. We'll have more on that next week I heard when we that. dig into the Hornets here. All right, Tyler, so let's go ahead and jump in. Some really exciting news coming out of right now, the Carolinas and uh, the Panthers camp going on right now. 
So we gotta we gotta we got a couple things to talk about this right now. So if the Panthers do not get Deshaun Watson right. this year, Mel uh, Kuyper has the Panthers right now looking at Mac Jones as possibly their number one pick in this year's draft, right? Okay. So it has a lot of people, especially in Panthers Nation, on the edge of their seats, right? Because we we obviously want Deshaun Watson, but Tyler, if the Panthers do not scoop up your boy Deshaun Watson, they better. what is the second best option? Pick up the phone, Houston. Stop playing. He will not be in a Houston Texans uniform come 2021 fall, okay? Pick up the phone, man. Stop playing, all right? Your girlfriend says she's leaving. She's serious this time. But listen, if they can't get that bad man to Sean Watson, all right? Bad man. Th- their second best option is not Mac Jones out of Alabama. You got to be kidding me, right? Like, do you honestly believe, and I, and I think I know where you're going with this, but just let me get this, okay? Okay, go ahead. Do you honestly believe Mac Jones can take Carolina from where it is with Teddy Bridgewater to a higher heights? I don't think so. They're, they're, they're almost a spitting image quarterback of one another, okay? Mac Jones played at Alabama. He had a 77, what, per, percent completion percentage? Is that right? Yes, it is. It's 77. Correct. So it is. That, is a, that is phenomenal. You might be thinking, Tyler, well, why would you not want that? Mm-hmm. Well, but here's why. Alabama is loaded. They are loaded. The, their best receiver went down with an injury for most of the season, okay? And these the, the other receiver still won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. So they had weapons, all right? He, he any, I feel like you could have put the second-stream quarterback from Duke on Alabama. Stop and they it. Probably you know that is not true. Really? Are you kidding me? David, David, listen. Okay, so, so the, the question is, let me remind you of the question. What is the Panthers' best next option? Second best option? I'm just telling you, Mac Jones isn't it. Okay, we hear right? that. Here's why. He had loaded weapons, okay? He cannot improvise. He is not a mobile quarterback, <sighs> all right? Stop he, he's it. not. He, he's, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's, he's not a mobile quarterback. All right? Continue. All right? Plays break down on the NFL, all right? The defenses are a lot more in tune to what you're doing. That they're better. This level is just totally different. And if you can't improvise, if you're not mobile, you're limiting the offense. Okay, you're limiting your offense. And most scouts don't even think he's a first round quarterback. They got him as a second, third, or fourth round grade. That's it. Uh, at the end of the day, the second best option is Trey Lance. That man at a North Dakota State University. All right. He, he is much better. He has higher upside and a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. All right. He is mobile. Not only is he mobile, but he's also accurate. All right. He had 68% completion percentage. He ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns, had 42 total touchdowns in his freshman season. That man can play. He's a big time playmaker. And I believe his ceiling's higher and he can take the Panthers to the next level. David, are you are you telling me you like Mac Jones? <sighs> okay. All right. Are you done? I'm I'm done. Are you done? Okay. You can talk. All right. So uh as far as Trey Lance. Yep. Out of North Dakota State, right? Yep. 
All right, so your next quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Who was uh, what? What team does Carson Wentz? Uh, where? Did, what, what school did he come from? Same school. Same school. Right now, how is he doing? Um, he's looking for a new home, or I think he's found a new home. Was it in uh, Detroit? I don't know if we, and we're going to come back to Carson. Indianapolis. Right here, right? I think it's Indianapolis. In, it was it was Indianapolis, right? Because he took uh, Philip Rivers' job. Last two years, last several years, really, Carson Wentz has been declining. There, this the talent out of North Dakota State is kind of not really been there, right? Carson Wentz was a little bit of a comment, you know, as far as he was a, he was a streaking star because. Who really seen any, you know, premier quarterback ever come out of North Dakota State? The talent they play on a, a on a regular basis is not the type of talent that you get from the SEC, that you get from the ACC, and that you get from the Big Ten and the schools that you really want your quarterbacks coming out of because of the competition that they're facing on a regular basis, right? And yes, I am a big Mac Jones fan. Let me tell you why. Let me remind you just in a national title game, the man beat the Ohio State Buckeyes 52 to 24. Does it, do you need a cookie? Uh, 52 to 24. Do you need like, a cookie? I, are, you, are you kidding me? The man completely balled out on the biggest stage with the brightest lights, with all the eyeballs watching, when everybody's butt cheeks is clenching because the nervousness and the anxiety from what is going to accumulate from this game. And the man showed out. And what I love about Mac Jones, Tyler, is well, one of the things that uh, you know Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay were saying, uh, especially Todd McShay during the game, was – Literally, he was talking about how Mac Jones, the evolution of Mac Jones, right? Last year, he would have thrown an interception like he did in the first half of the national title game when the game was still, you know, uh, you know, up for debate. Right. Uh, he'd throw an interception, and literally, he'd be on the sideline huffing and puffing, yeah. you know, frustrated in his head, getting in his head, and it would affect him throughout the entire game, right? Yeah. Well, this year, he threw an interception in the national title game. He on the sideline, pumping his teammates up, saying, we got it, don't worry about it, it's all about the next play, and what they do, they literally went on a rampage, and that's all she wrote after that. Now, talk about a historic season. The man this year has literally thrown, let me give you, let me give you some of his stats, right? Okay, Please, come on. 41 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. at 77.4 passer rating over 4,500 yards balling okay now the other thing is now you love Trey Lance I, 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 I Trey Lance I say all that he's not a bad option he's not bad but I'm not in love with the option the other really big and popular option right now in Carolinas and right now with Matt Rule and, and the general management right now and the overall consensus is either Trey Lance Mac Jones or or Zach Wilson. The reason why I don't love Zach Wilson is again, he, he's from BYU, right? They're, I don't want him. They're, they're literally not in a conference he's right now. He's entitled. We, we 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 thought they were in the what was it the Mount uh, the the West Conference Mountain West Conference. Yep. We looked it up. BYU is actually independent right now. They're not even a damn conference. They're not right. in the SEC. They're not in the ACC. Not Big Ten. They None didn't of play that. any uh, significant competition last year. They, uh, they play uh, really. I'm not really wow with the competition. I mean, you got schools like boys. State who hasn't been really relevant in years. So right. no, I don't really, I don't love the competition. You want me to be honest? I don't love the competition they played. And let's go over his stats: thirty six hundred yards, three thousand six hundred ninety two yards, thirty three touchdowns, seventy three point five passer percentage, 
in a conference that uh, there's no and, conference. They, there's literally no conference that they're really even playing in. Listen. Stop it. I think the, the the overall consistency and to your and to your polarizing point that you were trying to make, I think you were trying to make this point at least is oh he's a stationary target. Trey Lance is mobile. Ah ah ah. Okay. Well, just this past Super Bowl, didn't we just see that man Tom Brady, who is the most stationary target, maybe in NFL history, especially the most successful one, literally tear up the Kansas City Chiefs from being stationary in that same pocket that you try to denigrate uh, Mac Jones for not being as mobile as you like him to be. So I don't think I, I, I don't overrate that the way you do. Listen, it's, it's a clear consensus. First off, do not ever disrespect Tom Brady by putting him in the same sentence as Mac Jones. All right, are you are you kidding me? Tom Brady is now a seven time Super Bowl champion. Okay, Tom Brady's been there, done that. Mac Jones hasn't. Not at the NFL level. He's only played one season, which is an argument a lot of people try to make against him. Hold on. Trey Lance played one season as well. I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, Trey Lance has the, what do you call it? The it factor, right? You know, when you you, you, you walk into your grandma's house and it's a Sunday and and you can just smell it. You just smell it. You know I something's love my cooking. Grandma's cooking. You know something's cooking. Trey Lance is cooking, my friend. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Let me stop you there. What was the best win Trey Lance had all year? The best win he had the all year? The best win Trey, Trey Lance had all year. The only game he played in. Okay. Remind us uh, what that team was? <laughs> Does It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it kind of does. When you don't have a literally solidified win that everybody can really hang their hat on, you you got literally Alabama who beat everybody in the SEC yeah. from LSU, right? From yeah, you got Georgia who they beat the brakes off, and then my everybody one of nobody's really talking about right now. Justin Fields as far as Ohio State, he right now might be the second quarterback pick in the draft. Last time Mac Jones seen him, he left him in his dust. So right now, I love the competition. I think competition matters in. Mac Jones is battle-tested. Competition does matter, and I agree with you on that. Trey Lance is not a scrub. He is a national champion. He led the the North Dakota State. He led them to a national championship, undefeated, never lost a game, played at a high level, at a high level, all right? It's not like he walked into the championship game and played a scrub team for the level of which he was in. He was playing the best other team in, in all of uh, the FCS. Okay. okay? So right. he's a winner. He's a big-time playmaker. If the Panthers don't get Deshaun Watson, let me make that very clear. If they don't get Deshaun right. Watson. He's the number one option. I would like to see them take Trey Lance. That's all I'm saying. And, David, something else uh, the Panthers need to be focusing on this season. They have $39 million in cap space. What, what I want to know from you, who do you think we need to focus on in free agency to get us to that next step? I, I love this question because I feel like the Panthers are one of those teams that could be on the precipice of something really great. You know, Carolina is, I think, a destination. Obviously, we're not a major market like uh, you know, you could say a New York or a Florida or something like that. But when people come to Charlotte, they love the Carolinas, right? The overall point uh, point I'm trying to make here is right now, as I as I overview what the Panthers really need 
offensive line has to be at the forefront of Matt Rule's thought process. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater could not stand up in the damn pocket, it seemed like, all year. Mm-hmm. He was running for his life. Now, when he was able to stand up, you know, we, we were kind of dinking and dunking and getting the short passes and doing what we can. And Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore helped out, obviously, a, a ton with that. So right now, I, I, I think offensive line is a clear thing that we need to be focusing on. Um, I like Jackson as far as our cornerback. I like our defensive line. I think we got a uh, lot of talent as far as their nucleus maybe we can look at you know safety and linebacker position but at this very moment the most glaring thing that the Panthers need to be focusing on and looking at is offensive line let's get a top tier not no you know he come with a bag of chips like you know side deal and uh, 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 back of the uh, alley type of deal you know trade no we we need to focus on uh, other than quarterback if we don't get one of these premier quarterbacks in the draft i would love to see the offensive line be the number one thing addressed the offensive line uh-huh. uh, it needs to be addressed for sure the offensive line didn't play terrible last year they they were one of the middling offensive lines in the league okay the Panthers' number one priority in free agency this season. What do you think it is? Needs to be to re-sign Curtis Samuel. Okay, mm. and if you don't get Deshaun Watson, that's interesting. Which Houston pick up the phone? If you don't get Deshaun Watson, you need to re-sign Curtis Samuel. He's a thousand-yard receiver. I love that's him. a lot to replace on offense. And I feel like this offense with the right quarterback can be special. You've got CMC. You've got Robbie Anderson. You've got DJ Moore. You got Curtis Samuel. All right. You got all these playmakers and weapons. You got to resign this guy because this makes your offense unstoppable if the right quarterback is there. And if you don't get Deshaun Watson and you end up drafting a quarterback, what better receivers and weapons could you give them? You know what I mean? You're set up to succeed. So, Curtis Samuel should be priority number one. You know what? I I actually really like the Curto the Curtis Samuel. Goodness, I actually really like the Curtis Samuel pick because I remember at one point uh, several teams were playing. You know, Curtis Samuel was actually uh, top three in the NFL as far as third down catches, right? And, and, and completions. Yeah, he's like, clutch. His, his that is pivotal. How many times are you watching a game and it's really coming down to, you know, the wire and you need that completion and you see somebody drop the ball, can't get open or whatever. They butterfingers all of a sudden. Curtis Samuel was one of the best in the entire NFL at catching the damn ball on third down. And that's that's something you really can't put a price on. Yeah, because that is a big deal. I like to also see us beef up the linebacking core. You know, there are some big-name linebackers that are out there. Levante David out of Tampa Bay is a free agent this season. Oh, wow. Uh, Offseason. Um, if we can sign him to a good deal. He's 31. He's still got some some mileage on him. Um, I like to see us take him. He He's a hybrid linebacker. He can play all over the field. Mm-hmm. He's great at uh, pass coverage. Not only that, he's a great run stopper. So I think that would be a, a great addition beside Shaq Thompson. We just can't overpay for the guy because we overpaid for Shaq Thompson. Yes, we did. So, so uh, Alden Smith's another option out of Dallas. Um, Xavier Rhodes, cornerback. 
um, out of uh, Indianapolis is coming coming up to be a free agent. So if we want to beef up the cornerbacks a little bit more, we got an option here in free agency. Mm-hmm. Again, not getting Deshaun Watson isn't the worst thing that could happen to the Panthers as you now have $39 million to spend, and David Tepper is going to be a little aggressive. So I, I think we know that. If we can get the right people, David, right quarterbacks in play, do you think the Panthers can make a run at the playoffs this upcoming season, or are we a, a year away? So one of the things that I think that was interesting that you were saying is David Tepper is going to be really aggressive with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that brings up an interesting topic in debate. How, how uh, aggressive and how much of a factor is, should David Tepper, is, as far as what the I – mean, obviously the guy is the owner, right? But, you know – it should be the front office as far as the general manager. It should be Matt Rule. It should be Brady, you know, really making a lot of these decisions. You think that, you know, David Tepper is going to be getting in the way of maybe the direction Matt Rule would want to go with this team? No, I, I, I think they're they're in lockstep. They're hand in hand. They're, I don't want to say they're butt buddies, but they're, <laughs> they, they are very right. fond of one another. But I don't think so. You know, I think I think he he's going to be aggressive. He's not going to overstep Matt Rule. I think he's going to let Matt Rule do his thing with his team. Because um, uh, when you when we uh, when we talk about it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Jerry Jones issue um, as well. Uh, right. How he is, uh, you know, you know, pretty much the obviously the general manager and the owner and everything. So it's just something interesting to think about. Uh, I think that the Panthers can make a playoff run. Um, right now we're in murderous row, right? In the NFC South, you know, you got Tom Brady, who's committing to at least two more years. Right. You got, uh, you know, Drew Brees situation is in limbo. You know, he's retiring. Ah, we, there was a video this week on social media of him working out and everything. And he hasn't admitted he's he's, retiring. Listen, if he's retiring, then why hasn't he said it? He's taking his time. He's, he's for earned what it. though? You he's know, earned it. if you're retired, just say it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Listen, like, that's hard for somebody to do. Listen, if you don't want to play football, just say that. Look how hard it was for Brett Favre. Okay, at the end of the day, um, yeah, we're in the murderers row division. You got to watch out for the Saints because they're going to get another good quarterback. It, I'm hearing Russell Wilson is is an option for them. So if they get it. If they get Russell Wilson, it's we better than David Tepper. Listen, send all the money to Houston. Man, it's okay. A wrap. Right. Um, I think they will make the playoffs next year. I'll be honest with you. And it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, even if it's Teddy Bridgewater. Here's why. The, do, do you have them winning the South, though? No. No. Okay, that, that, so that, we're going to have to be a wild card. We'll be a wild card. But seven teams get in now. I understand. So, and and right now our schedule is the, the, the seventh easiest in, in the league. It's the mm-hmm. 26th toughest, right, if you want to look at the other way. Um, super easy schedule. We play the NFC East this year uh, as our, the, the cross division game. Mm-hmm. So Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York, none of those teams scare me. I honestly can see the Panthers going 4 0 there. Um, they also play the AFC East, right? Which is New England, uh, Miami, Buffalo, and Jets. The only team I'm scared of there is Buffalo. Okay. That's it. So, right? so let me, let me, uh, let me uh let me let me uh get in here right okay so if the panthers don't win the south which you currently don't have them winning the south right we're going to be a wild card yep. is expanded to seven games we get mm-hmm. all of that right all right so 
I think that the Packers are more than likely going to win the NFC North yet right. again. I think the Bears are going to have a night and day different season. I think they're going to be one of those teams that Why? take a step forward. Why would you believe that? Because I, I love Khalil Mack. I love the defense. I like Nick Foles. He's going to be healthy again. Um, you know, right now, Teddy, uh, 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 Mitch Trubisky is going to be an interesting factor. I, I think that, uh, Magan, uh, was it Magan, what, what's his name? Magaddy, the coach. Matt, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. <laughs> Goodness, that man got a hell of a name. Magaddy. Listen, oh man, that man got a ton of low key. Yeah, All but, right, until, but the, until they get a quarterback, David, they're going to be what they are. So, so, so. Nick Foles, I think, is – I mean, didn't didn't Nick Foles win a Super Bowl? Isn't he a Super Bowl MVP? I, they're, they're not sold on Listen, Foles. I'm not trying to hang my hat on the, the whole Bears, but I just think that you can, you know, be a contrary, uh, contrarian, believe that they're not going to take a step forward. They were good. They were really good at the beginning of this if year, they and they literally fell the hell off if, randomly. If they get a quarterback, then I, I can I think, agree with you they'll make the playoffs. Okay, but so – okay, so let me – you want you want to go? Let me let me make the point that I think that the Bears are you know I think Nick Foles is good enough, right? Okay, so you got the NFC West, right? Who do we believe that is going to win the NFC West? I think if uh, Russell Wilson stays for the Seattle uh, Seahawks, if he stays you know quarterbacking, which is honestly his best option. Don't go to Dallas, like why? You have everything and more you need in Seattle, and Pete Carroll is a phenomenal head coach. They just need to protect you better. As long Rams. as they uh, okay, so I think that the Seattle. Seahawks are going to win the NFC West. I think Rams are going to be the team that don't win. And you got the Cardinals too. So you literally might have two teams that could be potential uh, picks for the wild card in the NFC West. So now you got the Cardinals, you got the Rams, you got the Bears that I think is going to be in the mix. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, we're going to have to contest against the uh, the Bucks. They're probably going to win. Yeah. So if uh, we'll see what happens right now. The Saints, you can't doubt Sean Payton. You know, he, whoever's going to be, even if it's Jameis Winston, uh, you know, he might have them boys coached up enough where they have a shot. I like so my chances. It, it, it's going to be competitive. I get what you're saying. Here's why I don't have fear with the NFC West. They're going to beat up on each other, right? They all got to play each other, and that's going to be super tough for them. Our division is going to be weak, relatively weak. It, mm -hmm. If Drew Brees retires, which he's predicted to do so, the Panthers have a wide-open door to number two spot in the NFC South, okay? Other than that, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, you got to remember them, they're all going to beat up on each other. So, I, I mean, I'm seeing maybe a 9-7, and 10-6 division, right? The Panthers aren't playing anyone tough. They got the AFC East, which I told you the teams, and we got the NFC East, which I told you those teams. Mm -hmm. the, there's not anything outside the realm of possibility for the Panthers to go 3-1 and one against those two divisions. They also got to play uh, the last-place team, or the third-place team in two other divisions, depending on where they finished. Those could be wins for the Panthers. So now we got eight wins, and let's say they split our division three and three. That puts them at 11 and five. So there's so you got the Panthers going 11 and five? 10 and six, 11 and five. Panther Nation, that's some good news. Put it Let, in. Well, one, one thing that I think that a lot of people are not really thinking about or talking about, uh, again, so back to the NFC North. I got the Packers winning the NFC North. I got the Bears probably being second place, maybe competing with the Packers for uh, you know first place in the NFC North. 
What about the Vikings? They're a really interesting team because they are a really good, you know, program. Obviously, a football team who a lot of years, everybody always counts out the Vikings. Everybody's like, you know, they don't really have enough or, you know, they don't really expect much. And out of nowhere, the Vikings have a pretty solid season. They're all right. Vikings are a good team. Um, Kirk Cousins got to show me something this season because they bought you in for a reason. You, you haven't. Dalvin Cook, too. Don't forget. Um, at the end of the day, we just have to kind of see what the Vikings look like. They're going to have to compete in that division that you talked about with the Bears and Green Bay. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of losses to be had there for them. So that's why I think the Panthers could sneak in with their super easy uh, schedule they got. So we'll see again um, how the Panthers fare this offseason, what it's going to look like for them, who are we keeping, who are we drafting. Pick up the phone, Houston. All right, you hear that sound right there. You know what that means, David. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. That's going to be the Fool of the Week. All right, this portion of the podcast is sponsored by Christian Morrison over at My Roma Goods. Don't be a fool and let the funk get in the way of your life. Nothing is worse than having that special lady or guy over and the smell of yesterday's salmon delight is stinking up the house. My Roma Goods has many options available to help calm that stank around the house. From wax burners, diffusers, body wash, kids needs, and even pet needs. My Roma Goods has everything thing you need to fill your life with fragrance. These items would also make great gifts as well. Visit myaromagoods.sensi.us. That's myaromagoods.scentsy.us for more. All right, David, let's get into the full of the week. I'm going to go first here. And this this kind of took me by surprise. Oh, Lord. Um, what we got? My fool of the week is no other than Greg McDermott, head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays. Okay. (laughs) And if you know who that guy is, he's Uh, Doug McDermott's dad. Everybody remembers Doug Doug McBuckets when he played there. uh Um, Greg's Greg's in the spotlight this week, not for reasons you'd want to be as a head coach. Um, He said some racially insensitive comments and asked his players to stay on the plantation. Is what he said to his players. Wow. Stay on the implantation. The whole quote, and and I start it, start quote, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leaving the plantation, end quote. David Gibson. In what world does this make any sense as a head coach to say, stay on the plantation. What are you trying to draw a conclusion there? What are you trying to draw a connection to? That makes no <laughs> sense in my opinion. There's there's not a single situation in coaching, okay? Not even if you're you're on the plantation, okay? If there's a real plantation, do you need to be looking at black teenagers and young men in their early 20s and saying, I need you to stay on the plantation, all right? You know I'm a roast the NCAA every chance I get, all right? And you know I think it's a slave-driven business. These athletes aren't getting paid. They're making them millions of dollars. And then this guy comes along and rubs salt in the wound saying, stay on the plantation. Miss me with that. Miss me with that. Greg McDermott, you are Tyler's fool of the week. Please, please get your vernacular together, guy. 
in what world does he think that's okay? Like, like it's I, not. I, I don't. I don't understand how this is honestly not a bigger story than what it is. Because I mean, how stupid can you literally be? I mean, how dumb? It, right now, with the sensitivity of everything going on right now in our country, uh, with the murder of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all the protests and racial injustice you think that it's okay to say something so stupid as stay on a plantation he lucky he even has a job right now and he probably should be let go off that comment alone yeah to be fair um he did apologize to the team he, he, they all had a long talk sunday night about the situation and he asked the players do they think he should resign over the comments and his players said no so you know they have reconciled but that still doesn't um, absolve you from being my no, it doesn't at, at all. And yeah, the players may, for whatever reason, they might have said, "Listen, you know this guy can stay." But the people over the head coach, the athletic director, need to be like, "Listen, you gotta go." You yeah. know, right now this is a public relations nightmare, as it should be, because like some things are unforgivable like why, why did you think that was okay okay so i mean you, you needed to apologize to save face but listen we have no place for racially insensitive comments like that sorry we got to let you go brother yeah right right who you got as your fool of the week over there listen my fool of the week this week is none other than the nba referees really have you been seeing what's been going on recently this week with yeah. the referees i mean you want to talk about a hot mess uh what do you call your boy tv ted tv ted L- literally trying to be the showcase and a centerpiece of these nba games listen referee you're not the reason why Fans show up for the game. We show up for the star power of James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, uh, Kyrie Irving. We want to see these boys play. We don't want you taking them out in crucial moments of the game. Now, I don't know if you've seen the the ejection Devin Booker recently got for the Suns. It was like the most ticky-tack ejection you will ever see. It's like Devin Booker is a premier superstar in this league getting buckets right now with everything going on with COVID and beyond where we're literally starving for entertainment, starving to watch something on TV. The best product in the game, you can't eject him for something so, so, so minuscule where it's something like that. Now, the other thing is Donovan Mitchell went off. We may even play an excerpt of Donovan Mitchell, what he said after the game, when you have a close game with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you yeah. got the Jazz rolling on a stride the way they are right right now currently in the NBA. Best record in the game, Donovan Mitchell, the centerpiece of the Utah Jazz, in overtime gets ejected? Really? Yeah. Over something like that? Like, stop it. And none other than, and if this don't solidify and crystallize exactly what I'm trying to say, Montreal Harrell gets a, a, a technical foul for getting the N one and shouting N one. Yeah, that's wild. I, are you are you, are, we, are we serious right now? Yeah, Th- these guys are competitors. They're in the NBA because they're some of the most athletic in the world. <clears throat> They're some of the most athletic in the world, and they're driven by competition. Stop trying to be the centerpiece of the entire event. You're right. You know, refs do overstep their bounds. Um, But let me tell you who's smiling about this right now. The NBA can throw this front like they hate when the players criticize the refs and then the, the, the coaches criticize the refs, but they making that money. 
all right? Because every time someone criticizes a ref, they get they find that player a coach. So NBA smiling about the situation. Let's move on to some college basketball here. David, you know our beloved teams, Carolina and Duke. Uh, just really don't know how to handle success, apparently. Um, you know, D- Duke goes on a four-game win streak, loses uh, two straight to Louisville and then Georgia Tech. Carolina picks up a signature key win Saturday over Florida State. Big win, got them in the tournament. And then they go to Syracuse and drop the ball by not playing their best basketball they could have played. So, David, what do you think the issue is going on right now with both of these teams? Um, it's, it, it seems like a few issues going on right now with both of them. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about Carolina first. It was just a bad loss against Syracuse. I'm not going to rip them in half. Um, I thought that in times they looked clearly like the best team. Um, but you just got, uh, you know, the son of Behan, Behan as well, Jim Behan's son, balling out. I mean, had a career-high 28 points. They just, You know, Carolina just couldn't do anything with him in that game. And towards the end, Syracuse is actually fortunate for even winning the game. They pretty much limped into the win because everybody was getting hurt, it seemed like. And Carolina was making a very late, hard push and run. I think they finished the game till on like a, almost like an, a ten and zero run at a certain point. Ten two run for Carolina to finish the game. So yeah, they uh, they had a ten two run in the game. So you know, again, Carolina is uh, you know they they barely lost it, and Syracuse is fortunate for winning that game. Um, Duke, on the other hand. <laughs> Listen, it hurts. It hurts to even talk about it. It's like a scab that's still open, you know what I mean? Um, they, 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 We really needed that Georgia Tech win, and yeah. Georgia Tech is a great program. After Matt Hurt went out uh, with the, again, referees yet again, Tiki Tack foul that had him get his fifth uh, foul of the game, get disqualified. Duke really just looked like they lost their older brother in a fight with a bully, and they just didn't know how to really react. Matt Hurst averaging over 20 points. We needed him towards the end of that game. We still made a, a good push, push it to overtime, but in overtime you need your best player and one of the ACC's top scorers. Yeah, it it pains me to, to see – I'm going to be honest. It pains me to see both teams like this. Like you want – as a rival, it's funny to see your, your rival suffer. You know, you want to see that from time to time. But you don't want to see it to this degree where now Saturday's matchup seems to have lost all its luster. Right? I mean, almost. Let, let's, not I mean, all of it, but I'm excited it's it. Carolina Duke, but I'm not excited like I am even last year for like last year's games when Carolina wasn't as good as it wasn't a good team in the year before. Like the, the, the anticipation is not as high, right? Here's what I think's wrong with both teams. Let's start with my beloved Heels. Let's dissect it. They cannot stop turning the ball over. <laughs> Like, and it's stupid turnovers. They're not like the other teams forcing us to do this. We are making dumb passes. They try to make the hard play and not the simple play, right? Uh, they're trying to make a sexy pass and not a, a normal pass. Get If it takes two extra pounces to get in the paint, take two extra passes to get in the paint. If you got to bounce pass it, bounce pass it. They try to sling it in there. No one's ready for it. They're not communicating, and that's causing all the turnovers. The other thing for Carolina, this also is the same for Duke, poor three-point shooting. Neither team can shoot the ball. They suck at three. It's probably Carolina's biggest issue. That's Carolina's – they were four for 20 against Syracuse on threes. It's abysmal. You make one three, you win the game. That's it. Um, 
So, poor three-point shooter on both sides. Duke has got to stop shooting threes. You guys took 36% of your shots came from three-point land against Georgia Tech and Louisville. In, in neither game did you shoot the ball well from three-point range. You can't do that. If you're not shooting well from three, you got to throw it in the paint and try to get some buckets on the inside, right? Um, Duke has no depth. That's another problem. They've got too, they got too many players playing 35-plus minutes a game right now. 33 minutes a game right now. You got one guy on your – here's how you know you have no depth. When you got a guy on your bench playing 30 minutes a game, that lets you know you don't have depth right there. The other thing, they have no other options for scoring outside of Hurt and more. That's it. If, if, if Hurt is knocked out of the ball game, they have no one else to score with. And that's where we're missing Jalen Johnson. That's where you're missing Jalen Johnson. I, I do agree with that aspect. Um, you know, I love me some more. Obviously, Matthew Hurd is, I mean, top three best player in the ACC right now. He's very, uh, he, he he's, he's a great player all around, I, I feel like. And anytime that he's not, he's he feels like the lifeline of the Blue Dew Devils. So, yes, we uh, we shot way too many damn threes and didn't make not nearly enough. Um, I was shocked to realize that Carol, this uh, iterization is actually what the second worst three-point shooting team in Carolina history. Right. That is that is pretty shocking as well. So, you know, leading up to this Saturday's game, they're going to have to be making a lot more shots than what they're currently making for this to really be entertaining. But for my Blue Devils, we need every win we can get, and hopefully we can sneak in this tournament. What do you think it's going to take for Duke to get in? Uh, it's going to take – Now that they've lost two straight games. It's going to take a prayer – <laughs> Listen, it's gonna take visiting your local pastor. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Some it's divine intervention. Listen, it's gonna take paying your tithes, your offering. Listen, Duke needs all the help that they can get. We need Louisville to lose. We need Clemson to lose. We need we need to obviously beat Carolina as well. And we we honestly need a little bit of luck. You gotta they, win the ACC tournament. Uh, one, one, one of the of course we uh, as well gotta win the ACC That's, tournament because if you win the tournament, you automatically get in. So, so boom, right? We win an ACC tournament. We're automatically in. One of the most interesting things, to, uh, you know, to hear uh, and learn as well as, you know, going into that Georgia Tech game, Duke had over an 80% chance to make the tournament. And Georgia Tech had around a 20% chance. Well, those odds flipped not in Duke's favor after that game because after that game when Duke lost, Georgia Tech had over an 80% chance and Duke had over a 20% chance to, to, to make it to the tournament. This is not a great day to be a Duke fan, but I have hope. If we can win the tournament, we can hopefully slither our way in. Mm-hmm. And once we do that... I don't think anybody really wants to play us. If you get in the tournament, I mean, that means you're, you've turned All into best a dangerous off. team. All best uh, is off. For Carolina getting the tournament, I think their, their path's a lot easier. Their win over Florida State saved them uh, really like big time. Um, it's a great win. The loss to Syracuse isn't seen as a bad loss um, by the people of the committee. Um, at the end of the day, I still think Carolina, Carolina cannot lose out. And, and think they're getting in. They're going to have to win, I think, at least two games um, from now until Selection Sunday. Now, whether that's beating Duke and make getting one win in the ACC tournament or even losing to Duke on Saturday and winning two games in the ACC tournament, uh, any combination of two wins, I think that solidifies you in and you can be comfortable on Selection Sunday. If, okay. 
one win, you're going to be sweating a little bit. You get no wins from now until but Selection Sunday, clinching. you're going to be really sweating. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, given that, David, who do you got winning this weekend, and what do you think the score is going to be? Um, so, obviously, I have Duke. I, what, what, the biggest reason is not because how either team is playing. I just have this inside belief that I just don't see Duke losing to Carolina twice in a season. I think that this team – you know, even though we've been on a downward stretch, we lost to Tech. We're, you know, before that we were playing really well, though. You were. Um, we're, we're, we're on a little bit of a stride, and I thought we, uh, you know, turned a page and was looking, you know, on the other side of the corner. But you know, it didn't turn out that way. But listen, I just feel like Carolina got the better of us the first time we played. It was a close nip and tuck battle. I think that Duke has what it takes. Literally, obviously, inside we're gonna have to have Mark Williams have a great game. Obviously. Um, Matt Hurt not getting in foul trouble. I think I don't think Carolina can really do anything with the brother, to be honest. I think he is the biggest reason why we win. And, you know, Caleb Love not obviously going off for 25 damn points again. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I, I respect your decision, but your Blue Devil's about to get swept. Who, I, who you got and why? Carolina's winning, all right? It, it's going to be a close game. It's not going to be a blowout. I, give me Carolina 78-75, right? But here's why Carolina wins. Their bigs are just going to be too dominant for Duke to handle. Duke does not, outside of Mark Williams, seven-foot-tall Mark Williams, Duke does not have anyone that's taller than 6'8 that plays significant minutes. That, that's a recipe for disaster. Matthew Hurt will, can get off and might get off. Here's where I think we can neutralize him, though. We take any time that he's guarding anybody in the post – throw it right down to them and start getting them in foul trouble. That, that's how you beat Duke. Get Matthew Hurt in foul trouble, the game's over. It, it, you're going to out-rebound them. Carolina's best offense right now are missed shots because they rebound almost 50% of their misses, and they usually make the putbacks. So I think Carolina's bigs are going to be too Does much Baycott on the handle. have a big game? Baycott doesn't have to have, No player on Carolina has to big, have a big game for Carolina to win, and that's what I like about the team. Who do you think shows up the biggest, though? Um, give me in Carolina. Give me Garrison Brooks on Senior Day in, in, in front of three thousand fans. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, right. give me Garrison Brooks we'll to show it. up. I think Curran Walton's going to show up, um, and Walker Kessler. That's a guy's a bad dude off the bench. That's just too much for Duke to overcome. I, listen, I want to give a score so uh, when Duke wins, I can come back and say, hey. Not only did we win, but my score was pretty close to being what it, what it was. Give me Duke 75, Carolina 69. Six-point win. Okay. All right, six-point win. Very respectful. Very Six-point win. Yes, sir. Which I think Duke fans We'll see. Up. We'll see. It's going to be a big, big uh, weekend for college hoops, so it's going to be great. We're going to come back and break down the ACC tournament next week, what we think is going to happen. Look at Duke's path. We'll we'll know a lot more after this weekend overall. That's for sure. All right, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Unpopular but Accurate. Join us next week when we break down the UNC-Duke game. We see what rumors are swirling around the Panthers because there seems to be some type of gossip every week with them. And we're going to preview the upcoming ACC tournament in Greensboro. Let us know what you think about LaMelo Ball being the best rookie ever. Who you got in the big game this week in the Battle of Tobacco Road as well. As always, even if you hated our takes, we hope we at least entertained you, if nothing else. For David and myself, thanks for joining us on UBA, and we're going to see you next week. Thank you. I love you all. Next week.